Mikey. Yeah. I think I might need your help this time. Okay, what about? Between the two of us, there's only one who knows how to fire a gun. <laughs> and that's not me. <laughs> I admit. I still haven't fired a gun in my life. Um, we've been together to a shooting range in America. Yeah. Uh, I've never felt so strange uh, in my life. Uh, we're not going to fully disclose how that went. Uh, one of us ended up in the car not firing a gun. Um, and what I thought was a proud achievement three weeks ago looks a bit different now. Mm. Uh, because violence is back in Europe. Yeah. Um, guns are being fired. Um, Hence my bad joke to start this podcast, which is going to be different to other podcasts we've recorded. Yeah. Guns are being fired. Bombs are being dropped in a country 500 miles from Berlin. Um, a nation is under siege. Uh, a country whose capital is two hours flight from here is yeah. being invaded. The geographically largest single European country we're talking about, Ukraine. Um, a country that borders to the European Union with... 40 plus million inhabitants, uh, many of which are refugees passing through Poland, Germany. Uh, the seeming senselessness of it all is very hard to process. And uh, we meant to record this on, on Friday, uh, but I just couldn't talk about it on Friday. For some reason, it hit me. Um, first two weeks were kind of like really like feverishness. Uh, it was really like, I don't know, someone took all of us and put us in like a very, very cold basin of water or something. It was like kind of like, you know, shaking, running around. Um, and yeah, I, I, I wrote some articles about this, uh, I tweeted about it, uh, deleted some tweets afterwards again, tr try to make sense of sure. it, uh, you know, journalistically, personally. We took the girl to their first ever peace demonstration. There were like 100,000 people showing up in Berlin, as in many other capitals around the world. Um, yeah, this is the Americanist podcast, but I think we're going to have to shift our focus a little bit um, for this episode, maybe for coming episodes. My name is Johannes Ehrmann in Berlin, and I'm joined, as every time, that hasn't changed, by my dear friend and brother-in-arms, Mike Bayoki. <laughs> How the hell are you, man? Good, good. And I'm, I'm glad to be here talking with you. Um, you know, we are, we've been talking for about two years, and it just feels like the world keeps shaking and here's yet another major one and i'll tell you being over here and watching this unfold uh you guys the germans are constantly uh in our minds we were talking about the economic situations that you guys are facing we're thinking about like the refugees and and it is in the escalation from here uh i think i mean i'm i don't know what's going to be like two weeks from now i think we're entering really uh, even more uncertain period and I, and I want to be able to say something at this moment and sort of figure out and hear from you guys about what where we're at where we're going I want to lay down some uh, markers so we know in the future you know what what we were seeing right now um, because we are again yet again in the middle of a major historical shift and I do want to hear. Uh, we we are removed over here. We're trying to play a role, but um, you guys are right there at the center, and understanding that's really important for us over here. Yeah, I, I, I want to start out by talking maybe about the the feeling that we had on this twenty fourth of February, the Thursday morning, and the brutality and the totality of this war uh, in the midst of Europe. I think it also has started something. At least for me, it yeah. somehow. A process or maybe like a paradigm shift started 
uh, on that day, uh, a new way of looking at things and acting. We've seen it politically um, here in Germany. Uh, a few days later, uh, 100 billion euros uh, were uh, made available for our military, mm. which uh, we have neglected, right. I would say. Um, but that's only, I mean, I don't want to talk about only weapons and guns. Sure. And this is uh, clearly only one very, very small part of the, the whole issue here. Um, and, and of the reactions, I mean, there's been massive economic uh, reactions. Um, and it really, but this feeling, um, and one notable German professor of Eastern European history said it on national TV on, on the Sunday after the invasion. Um, and he said it like, it was like, finally, finally, the fog has cleared. We now know how naive we've been all these years. Mm. And we must never be that naive again. Oh. And I, this was exactly the feeling I had. It yeah. was like, you know, I, it seems to me like us here in Germany, I'm talking mostly Germany, Western Europe, sure. but us here who should be leaders in Western Europe, and yep. a lot of times we refuse to be leaders. I think we were, we wanted to be like children, you know, you know mm. what children do when there's danger, mm. you know, they close their, they hold their hands before their eyes. Yeah. Right. And then the danger disappears. Yeah. And I think on Thursday, the 24th of February, someone ripped these hands away from our face. Yeah. And now we see the monster that we fed that is in our room now. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, just. One thing from this from this demonstration, um, you know, it was in in the center of Berlin, um, and and I was there with Carol and the girls, and uh, and at some point she just turns to me and is like, you know, if if our grandparents could only see this, you know, and 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 I was I was saying I'm glad they don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, it's and it's it's such a crazy sentence because for the first time I'm saying I'm glad they're not alive anymore to see this, right. But I mean, how crazy is this? Like, the, I feel like the trauma of my grandfather, you know, who, who spent three years of his young adult life in a in a POW camp, mm. you know, in in, in Belarus. Mm. Fuck, man, I, I just can't even talk about it. Ugh, man, this is an important moment, and I guess I want to say you've built yourself personally, and you've built your country into something that the world respects you we can talk about we'll talk about this in the rest of the pod but i just want to take a moment and say like you built a world that your grandparents would be proud of and you do have strength you do have friends uh and there is a certain amount of stability that will return but yeah we are staring down something pretty yeah pretty big all right, so some takes on this, um, because there's, there's been a lot of takes uh, in my head um, around me. I've been talking a lot with people here, um, and I'm really, really interested also, because I haven't followed the, the American news at all, which I normally do, <laughs> but now the focus is just oh, like, you know, someone just tilted my head 180 degrees. Absolutely. It's like, no, no, no American news, German <laughs> news, European news. <laughs> it was enough to process there. Um, so the first thing I, I'm really baffled by, um, everyone's talking about this as Putin's war. Um, and I studied history, and whenever I would 
write things like that, my professors would just like strike this stuff out of my papers first thing. It's like, no, no, single men don't yield that power right. single-handedly, right? So I think there's an important truth in that. Uh, I mean, first of all, um, I think we need to stop demonizing that guy like we used to demonize mm -hmm. Trump and we still do. Yeah. I think that's very important. And we need to understand that there's a larger effort underneath all this. And my take would be that the, the effort here at play is, you know, oligarchs, kleptocrats, autocracies, they're fighting the democratic system. They're fighting an entire region. This is not about bombs in Ukraine, you know. There are people being killed by these regimes in our cities, mm. you know, in the UK. One was killed in Berlin in broad daylight, shot in the head two blocks from where my sister lives. This is happening here. Yeah. And we've let it happen. We close our eyes, like I said before. Yeah. This is about disinformation in our social media. And you guys can talk a little bit about oh, that. Absolutely. Talking about 2016, yeah, the whole Trumpism th uh, thing. It's about economic dependence, and we're learning this the hard way now here. Um, you know, more than 50% of our gas comes from Russia. Right. You know, more than 40% of our oil, I think, comes from Russia. Coal. I mean, coal. Like, why are we still even importing coal? That's insane. Yeah. So there's one. There's a lot of lot of sort of like sentences that sense of of truth maybe that came to me over these first days or were immediately there. One of them was, and I, I, I'm interested in your take. One of them was to not have Trump reelected in 2024 is all of a sudden a European security concern. Yes. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yes. And the other is the 16 years of Merkel will be looked upon very, very differently all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and we'll, we don't have to make that judgment now. You know, the future will, will also tell a bit about You're that. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's some things obviously that went wrong in the last years and decades. Uh, and again, that's not her. It's her era. You know, right. also a single woman cannot yield that, right. that kind of power. <laughs> Attributing so, it all to. Right. Yeah. In other words, I mean, for me, and there's this, this discussion here um, about is this already a war that we're in as Germans, right. as Europeans? And for me, this is a kind of a total war of the 21st century. Right. We're not in it with weapons yet directly. Right. But in many, many other ways that touch all of our ways of living and our politics and, oh. and, and our information and everything. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you, I got chills down my spine when I heard you guys enter. I mean, I, yes, I do actually see us as currently at war uh, to some degree. And I see you guys entering with the economic sanctions as a major step like we were not sure like the you know the american perspective over here was not clear how you folks would proceed uh and to watch that development over the last couple of weeks has been powerful and i and i i do want to this conversation is going to continue to evolve but like germany has put itself in a position where there's a, a lot of non-military power that you folks have developed and there are forms of leadership that you have built that are going to pay dividends. And it's really hard to judge right now, you know, exactly where that, you know, the different forms of power uh, would be most beneficial. But you folks have entered and you are playing a major role. 
you have you know, clearly the vulnerabilities that you've already outlined with like the energies. Uh, but I do want to call that out. Like already off the bat, one of the important like step ups was you guys in the last last two weeks. Yeah, and it surprised me honestly. I didn't yeah. think that was possible. I did. I, it, it and we're clear. talking about a matter of three days. And in politics, what is three days? I mean, so Thursday morning, and this, and, and we should say this invasion has taken us all by surprise, just because we didn't want to believe this can be true. Mm-hmm. We thought it might be possible that there's some kind of military action, but yeah, I mean, until the last I was, second, yeah, yeah, I was I was really proud of the way that the Americans have dealt with that buildup. I mean, like it, the way that we shared intelligence and were very mm-hmm. clear coming into it. You know, we everybody should have known earlier, but the la- the like, the couple of weeks leading into that, where Biden was coming out and be like, "No, we we are they are preparing for war. They are preparing, you know, to invade." Yeah. And then watching the the, uh, the other countries like China, obscuring facts and stuff like that. Yeah, it, you know, it's been a very messy lead up into this war. Yeah. yeah, and then three days later, th- this was actually the morning where we are on this on this peace demonstration here, and this at, it's yeah. simultaneously. Wow. Just a few hundred yards away in the Bundestag, in our parliament, yeah. there was a special yeah. session, which is where the chancellor, uh, social democratic chancellor, the same party that Gerhard Schröder is in, our former chancellor, who is now God knows where, between here and Moscow, who's sitting on all the boards of, of the Nord Stream pipeline and who's like a, mm. a Putin cozy up. Yep. Um, and now apparently was flying to Moscow to do God knows what to somehow mediate whatever. Mm. Um, basically flew to his boss uh, and came back. Yeah. We, we haven't heard from him since like what, what, what he was doing, what they were talking about. I have no, no clue. But just to, to lay this out to you, this, this party that was also very much entangled and was you know, with, with this dependence, um, also in terms of energy and, and so forth, um, and the chancellor of this party came out with the backing of basically all the democratic parties of the spectrum and was like, yeah. right, okay, it stops right here. And wow. we have to be very, very clear about that. And so it was really like, yeah, there was like more than 100,000 of us on the streets. Um, just, it was just a sign, a gesture, right? There was nothing more to it. And that's important. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say enough. Like that's, yeah. that's why, yeah. That's why democracies work is to have people out there and yeah. have pe- people listen to you. Yeah, yeah. that is power. Yeah. So tell me, how was the reception there? Like, um... we had a bit of a crisis moment where, uh, in the very early days, parts of, uh, I, mean, I guess I'm going to call it the Republican Party, but very vocal parts. So maybe what you might call like the the deep Trump part of the party. So elements on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, came out and tried to run cover for Putin. And uh, this probably lasted about four or five days. Um, and they were very all in. They were, uh, there were arguments being built on, in this part of the, uh, the Republican Party about maybe even saying that like Putin was more of a friend to Americans than the Democrats. And they were going to use it very clearly as a wedge. And it mostly receded. For about a week, week and a half, I guess. I mean, we're not very far into this. And we're starting to see it come back a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't seem like it's going to sustain itself. It's now sort of the most uh, fringe parts of the Republican Party that are doing that. Again, sort of t- you know, rallying mm-hmm. around like sort of Tucker Carlson and some other folks around that, who's a Fox News commentator. Mm-hmm. Um, the Americans, we're still trying to figure out exactly what, 
we want to do. And so the Republican Party, which tends to be more hawkish, more willing to go into battle um, and flex our military power, has really sort of taken up a, um, a strong desire to like enforce like a no-fly zone or to intervene directly militarily, which just seems absurd to me. It just seems like it has no basis in reality and is possibly just being used as a um, political wedge issue again, which is like terrifying to think that they might be using it. So uh, it's not clear. So Mar- American po- you know, polling right now looks like everybody is very much on the side of the the Ukrainians, um, you know, the the sort of early sort of break mm-hmm. didn't happen where we would sort of ambiguously be, you know, like sort of one of our mm-hmm. propaganda lies by the Russians or something like that. That didn't seem to like latch on. Um, I don't think the American public totally understands what's going to be happening over the next couple months. I don't think mm-hmm. we understand the downstream consequences of... Uh, the economic sanctions that have been impl- uh, imposed there, we don't know what's going to hit Europe, um, and we don't have a, a sense of some of the downstream, like long-term things, like what's going to happen with China. Um, mm-hmm. I think the sort of relationship there. Uh, but I think um, even you know there has been a lot of discussion about what it's going to do to oil and gas prices and you know those kinds of concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. <laughs> We tend to think of ourselves as interventionists, right? We tend to think of ourselves as when yeah. the world gets too unstable, we'll intervene with our military. And uh, our leadership currently is very clear that we don't want to do that. We don't want this to escalate. We see um, there's been a lot of discussions in policy circles about you know uh, Russian doctrine about escalation to nuclear war and what those paths would look like. And so there have been very mm-hmm. serious conversations here in policy circles about what that would look like and how, how do we make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But was it also kind of like a, a shock, uh, what, what happened there? Uh, oh, like yeah. To you personally, to your surroundings, like your oh, the yeah. new circles blowing up and <clears throat> stuff? And... No, I mean, like, I wasn't tracking this until, I, mean, I guess, like sort of early February or something. Mm. It wasn't in my realm of understanding. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't understand that there had been low grade war. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't understand that there had been low grade war since um, ideas, the annexation yeah. of Crimea. Like I didn't understand how long this has been going on and what level it's been sustained at. I think I guess the the role has to shift as well that that Europe is is taking here. Um, yeah. I guess here, like we have to put up resistance yeah. to this as as the EU. Um, as other NATO countries uh, around the U.S. as well, um, if it if it and if it's only for the reason that we don't know if if Trump is coming back, we right. like he might just pull out of NATO. You know, it's, oh, he yeah. already wanted to. He's explicitly said that. Yeah, if, right? if should Trump be reelected, it is high probability that he will pull out of. NATO. We need to be prepared yes, for that. That's right. Um, and we need to ask ourselves the question: What can we do? Right. I think one of the very few things that will come out of this, possibly, that would be good, is a strengthening of the EU. Uh, we do need you guys. We do need it, like a, a decision-making framework and strengthening there uh, to act as like a tripolar world. Um, you know, uh, I'll t- so that's first, and I, I do, I do worry. Uh, it is possible that. Uh, the United States will pick Trump again. I don't think it's like a high possibility. I think now that the world is more serious, I don't think Americans are as excited. There's, there's, we shouldn't go fully into this, but there's a lot of polling recently that shows people are even. And when I say people, I should say Republican voters are less following Trump 
like his sort of opinions are no longer the dominant uh mm-hmm. and it does seem like there's more of a break there but does that mean that uh america is coming out of its in, insane mode maybe not you know like mm-hmm. and and so yes you will need to do something like that. yeah because you have your own fights to, to yeah to fight right yeah and your own, own yeah and with, yeah. With the one last thing i want to like I, i would not want to be beholden to china It is quite possible that China comes out of this having large stakes in a lot of parts of Russia. Uh, right now, the only f- you know, semi-friendly mm-hmm. country is uh, to to Russia is China, and China doesn't have great friendships. China does a lot of real politic. You know, when they see an opportunity, they will grab it hard. Like I would not want. And so, mm-hmm. stakes in the Russian like uh, petrol mm-hmm. companies. Um, like China's going to eye that. I mean, like it, it is quite possible that China comes out of this owning large chunks of of Russia. Mm-hmm. They are currently in a very vulnerable position, and I think that's part of what China is doing is positioning itself to take it, uh, take big chunks of it. So, mm-hmm. it's going to be a brutal you know like uh upcoming period of very hard politics on an international stage and we need as americans we need uh a europe to be strong and coherent um in order to yeah operate independently of us as well just to be clear like what i'm saying here is we need a europe that would also keep us in check let's push the superpowers aside for for a moment and let's talk ukrainians um because i think we're all incredibly impressed by their will to resist um A lot of people, maybe including the Russian leadership, have been surprised. Um, for me, and that's kind of like the the crazy truth in all of this, is the Russians have been lying all along. Yeah. You know, there is an independent, proud, sovereign Ukraine nation, of course. Oh, yeah. And as we see, it is willing in large parts to rather die than hand over their freedom to a kleptocratic autocracy that is going to abandon all the freedoms that they've fought for in the last years and decades at the same time of course this is incredibly tragic because we're already seeing the insane you know bombardments and destructions Um, i have to also sometimes stop to watch some of these images um, because it's just too depressing there seems to be no no way out of this escalation in the recent days, we've heard some reports that the negotiations might actually progress. It's good that at least the two parties still talk. Right. Some EU leaders are flying into Kiev, I think, today. Yeah. I was also surprised Saw by that. that. Yeah. Um, so that means apparently the security situation there is also pr- maybe better than we anticipated. I'll tell you, it was jaw-dropping. I, I forget exactly who it was, but it was like Poland and... Yeah. Slovakia, uh, some yeah. leaders from... from Baltic and Eastern European states. Yeah, I think. all showing up. And you're exactly right. That sends a lot of different signals all at once. Yeah. It talks about how much, how invested they are. And then also, you're right, the security situation there. Yeah, and of course, I mean, we started talking about this at the beginning. Um, and I think we all have to ask ourselves now, you know, what are we willing to give? You know, what, what each one of us has to or can bring to this fight, right? And, and it yeah. doesn't have to be a weapon, but... You know what? What would we be able to do um, to fight this information war, yeah. Um, and to yeah, and to not tolerate things anymore that we've tolerated so far? I think some people need to be called out uh, more yeah. uh, here in our societies as well uh, that have yeah. been influenced by by this 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 craziness. Um, but then, of course, there's also this this question, you know. 
if Germany was attacked or the EU was attacked, you know, could I, could I fight? Could I, you know, this is like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a warrior. You know, right. I, I write right. books and articles. You know, <laughs> like, I have a pen in my hand. You know, um, but, and that really impressed me, and I wanted wanted to read this to you. But there's a a, a DJ from Kiev actually who calls himself John Object. Uh, that's his his artist's name, yeah. um, and he apparently on the first day of the invasion. Um, he had never fired a, a weapon, but he joined the military, and he's chronicling it on Instagram. You can follow him there, um, and he's um, taking pictures of these like laconic notes that he puts in his in his diary. Uh, and I just want to read out a very very brief part of it because yeah. I, I think it's it's very very powerful what he's what he's writing and what because he describes this this change, this paradigm shift also in himself. So this is just four little paragraphs. This morning. The army base I was previously stationed at was bombed. There are injuries, but no information on casualties available currently. I know this isn't fun or interesting. And I wish I could post about music. I wish I could make music, play shows. I wish I could be not this. But this is what Russia has made of me. A uniform and a weapon, a target. I am not this. We are not this. But we have to fight to exist. I can't say how important this is. I mean, like, the the you invoked the idea earlier of total war. Like, you just sort of pass, you know, like, this is how it gets fought. This is, it's it's talking to people and building those messages. Like, this is, this is why Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is such a, an important person. He's walking around the city posting, you know, videos of him being there and that kind of rallying of people is important. That's why for a long time, like words have been all we needed because we talk to each other and we build these institutions and those matter and they offer us stability. It's not all about picking up guns and fighting. You're right that like we do need that every once in a while. And this is like a moment where it feels like that is more necessary than in other times. But the ability to talk things through and make people hear you and make people like, <laughs> I'm feeling it like those words that you just read like and thinking about what that person's life is like yeah it's just it's just tough because it, it yeah we thought this was over here um, you know this this uh, that we would not have to to face this kind of um, this kind of questions again I mean and that was part of the naivety I guess now that we have to face uh, and that I have to face face personally that I before February 24th uh, had never even thought of you know right. these kind of questions uh, and yet as you said there was a war in eastern ukraine still raging for eight years there yeah. was a part of a european nation right. bordering to the european union that had been annexed by a foreign yeah. power yeah. illegally and i've been to eastern ukraine 10 years ago there was the european soccer championship held right. in ukraine i spent four weeks in donetsk and That's kharkiv right. Yeah. So I know these cities, and it's it's crazy to to have to think of that. Um, but yeah, I guess we have to really, if there's there's one thing in here, we have to, I feel, put ourselves to urgency mode. Like we have to face these challenges now. Yeah. Like we cannot just care about, uh, you know, our next holiday or you know uh, whatever. That's also important. We still need to continue living and we need to celebrate yeah, freedom. Yeah, yeah. And you and I, we're going to meet in 
July, August in the States and we're right. going to have a good time. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I don't know. It's have you have you thought of like what you can do or like uh, is it a discussion you have with your friends and stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, like our friends have been tracking stuff here um, and talking about it and sort of, you know, no, we haven't as a as a group of friends. We've mostly been sort of like tracking things. But I, th I think it sort of gives us an urgency in terms of like our politics. Mm -hmm. um, personally, one of my my projects that I've been thinking about and building towards slowly is, you know, some of the anti-propaganda work. And so some of my research is sort of behavior change kind of stuff, thinking about mm -hmm. how to deal with and track some language stuff, um, being a little bit vague. <laughs> But um, I think it's useful work to figure out uh, what may be propaganda as quickly as possible um, mm -hmm. and try mm -hmm. to sort of, you can think of it as like sort of just cleaning things up faster um, and not allowing it to grow. So mm -hmm. those, those kinds of things are um, doable. I think false information and misinformation, that's, that's the big topic that we're going to have yeah. to, f the, you know, that theater of this war that we're going to have to fight. And it's, you know, obviously as a journalist, I have to, you know, keep putting the truth out there as much as I can. Uh, hard facts as well. Um, hard researched facts to counter that garbage that is seeping through the social media and the, all these like telegram channels and, and YouTube yeah. and whatnot. And because we're already seeing this here, um, a colleague of mine actually wrote an interesting piece yesterday that the, the hardcore anti-vax movement here, the anti-vax yeah. people, yeah. I mean, they've lost, they've lost completely their attention, right? With, with mm. that day, like no one cares, like Corona, I mean, the numbers are going up again here. No one cares. Yeah. Like yeah. no one, this, talking about this anymore but they shifted very very quickly um, and now the narrative is the western leaders our chancellor they're all hypocrites because they talked about peace for so long and now they talk about war right so it's the same you know all yeah. these virologists before they were the evil guys now it's you know the, the other forms of leaders here and it's it's very very clear where that propaganda is coming from yeah. where this misinformation is coming from Yeah, it's coming from the east. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. coming from from the from the spy. <laughs> oh yeah, the sh the shift in the amount of propaganda that we're tracking here is startling. Um, just mm -hmm. like as uh, the Russians' ability to pay has changed, um, just tracking like how messaging has worked here, um, mm -hmm. it's pretty clear. It's it's one you know what we might call in like statistics. Like this is an interrupted time series. At one point, it's pretty clear like their ability to pay stopped. And the amount of uh, you know ability to p put out propaganda drop drastically uh, dropped. So you know it's largely Russia uh, leading some of the mm -hmm. propaganda here. So I, I was trying to think of ways to end this on a on a more positive note, and who knows? We'll see. But I have this very very strong feeling that we are many many more. Like we are millions here. Yeah. Uh, and we're not cynical. We're not cruel. You know, and for me, humanity is not built like that either. You know, um, you know, we might not be pure. We might not be perfect. You know, I see it in my kids. You know, we scream and have fits and, you know, we hurt each other sometimes. But we have a good heart, yeah. you know, and we have a willful honesty as well. And for yeah. me, that tells me that we will prevail. Like there's no there's no way we can we can lose this war. 
Yeah. If we want to call it a war now or not, I don't. I don't even care for the fucking labeling at this point. Right. <laughs> but um, there is a meaning, and you get. Uh, we've you we've seen these. We've seen these kind of people before in history. That's right. We've seen these kind of people before, and they didn't win. Right. For us, it's just a matter of when and which fucking sewage pipe we're gonna find them in in the end. I don't care when this is, but yeah. they're not going to prevail with this. No, not like not this. no and the, there is good. There are people who are flawed, and there are people who are... There is a coming together right now that tells you that what is, being, what is happening there is bad. Um, this isn't, you know... Uh, there's an ambiguity here, and I think that's, like, one of the things that, like, frustrated me so much in the beginning was... Uh, it looked like it might be ambiguous that maybe like we would sort of say that there was more morally gray things going on here but there's not and i think you're right that there are a lot of good people stepping up there are a lot of organizations and institutions coming together to say no this is not who we are this is not what we're going to let happen and i think that is going to make us stronger in the end Um, and we are going to get out of this in a in a positive way but it's scary. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's scary. Yeah, but we need to face that fear. Um, yeah. that's, there's no way around it now. All right, man. Um, uh, this topic is going to stay with us. Um, I right. think for a few episodes, it's not going to go away. Um, we're going to figure out um, how to tackle this issue next time, next month. Please rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us. Um, thanks for tuning in. Mike, special episode, special times. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back in April. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Good, good talk with you, man. All right.